0: Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're so glad you've decided to join us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your heart and mind as our pastor, Chip Pendleton, brings us the Word of God.
1: We are finishing up our sermon series called Superstar, looking at the holiness of God and this morning, we're going to be looking at holier-than-thou-art. Has anybody here ever met anyone holier-than-thou-art before? Anyone sitting on a row with anyone holier-than-thou-art this morning? Look up and down your row there. Don't point. Don't point as you do. Well, when I pastored a former church, uh, I was talking to a lady at, at a Uh, uh, It's where all the churches kind of got together for a Lenten service. And uh, the lady was very proud of her church, but uh, nothing wrong with that, you should be. But uh, she thought that only her church was a good church. And so we're talking, and she says, you know, I think we're the only church in this city that believes in the Bible. And I said, well, I would... I would dare to disagree with you and say probably it'd be harder to find a church that doesn't believe in the Bible than, than one that does. And she said, do you have Bibles in your pews? And I said, yes, ma'am, we do. And she said, what translation? <laughs> and, and I said, I, uh, I believe they're NIV. And she goes, okay, well, prove my point right there. You know, I don't need to go any further. And then she said, I've also got the best pastor in town. Now, I don't know why she felt like she had to tell me that, except I'm trying to fill in the holes, and I'm thinking, well, everybody else has been telling her I'm the best pastor in town. So she had to stand up for her pastor, right? I mean, that's, okay, thank you, thank you. That's just me kind of filling in blanks there. And so she said, do you know that last month, our pastor made so many visits that he wore out a pair of new shoes in one month? What do you think of that? And so I told her what I thought of it. I said, well, what I think is you all need to pay that poor man more money so he can buy him a decent pair of shoes that don't tear up so quick. (laughs) Now, she didn't think that was funny, (laughs) but I thought it was really funny. And sometimes you tell stuff for yourself, not for other people. And so one of the two of us thought it was pretty funny when it did that. Well, this morning we're going to be looking and talking about what it means to be holier than thou art. And we're going to be over in 1 Peter chapter 1 beginning with verse 13. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 13. And the first thing we see is this. We are called to be holy because God is holy. We are called to be holy because God is holy. So we start out here, actually we're going to start in verse 15. And the words seem very strange, especially after what we've seen the last three weeks. Just as he who called you is holy so you should be holy in all that you do. Just as he who called you, talking about God, just as God is holy, so you should be holy in all that you do. Now that seems like strange words to me. We've already talked about the holiness of God. That word holy means different, set apart, above, special. We know God is all of those things. He's the God that created the world that has all power that's going to judge the world. He's the God that his train filled the whole temple and the whole earth shook when he spoke. He's a God that is different, set apart, superstar, holy. But then we're told, okay, because God is holy, therefore you're supposed to be holy in everything you do. Let's raise the bar a little bit when you say that. Now, here's the problem with that. I listen to that and I think, well, it doesn't quite work that way. Just because we're on the same team doesn't mean I have the same abilities. You could say Steph Curry is the best three-point shooter in the history of the NBA. You're on the Golden State Warriors with Steph Curry. Therefore, you're a great three-point shooter. Is that how it works? Just because he can shoot them doesn't mean I can, even if we're on the same team. Just because God is holy, it doesn't mean I'm holy. So surely it must mean something else. So look at verse 16. Just as it is written, be holy because I am holy. Now that phrase is used seven different times in scripture. Be holy, be different, set apart, above, special, unique, a superstar. Be holy because I am holy. Seven times scripture tells us that. And again, it seems that that seems impossible, but that's what I'm told to do. So therefore, I'm going to try and be holy. You ever seen anybody that tried to be holy before? Two things happen. One thing that happens when you try to be holy is that you begin to compare yourself with other people instead of with God. And when you compare yourself with other people, then you start feeling superior to other people because you might be better than they are or how they're living or what they're doing. You're not comparing yourself to God. You're comparing yourself to other people. And then you start feeling better. And that's when the holier-than-thou art comes out. I started feeling better than somebody last night at Costco. Seriously, I did. I just wanted to pick up one thing at Costco. It was one of those uh, uh, restaurant gift cards. I got the restaurant gift card. It's a Saturday at Costco. It's like, you know, December 24th. They're backed up, you know, three or four miles down the line. And I see one where, you know, I I can slip in there. So when I get there, there's a lady that has a cart. Filled with everything you could think of. And she sees me and it's like game on, you know. And she starts, you know, coming down you know, through that. And, I, and I'm kind of, I'm kind of walking. You know. She beats me. She gets there and she gives me this look. Like, I just won. And that's when the holier than thou art came out in me. And you know what I did? I went and I simply walked to another line and then I glanced over at her and this is what I was thinking. I'm such a better person than you are. (laughs) If that had been me, I would have let the person with one item go on ahead. But you're so selfish, all you're thinking about is yourself. Where I'm not that way, I'm not thinking about myself at all right now. (laughs) I'm thinking about you. But I felt superior to her because I did that. So sometimes we, we think we're, we're doing so well, but we're comparing ourselves to others and we're really not holy at all. And then the second problem with all of that is that, well, you're trying to be holy and it doesn't work. And you mess up over and over again and you just go through life feeling guilty and unworthy and like you don't measure up and that you're never quite doing good enough. If you saw the the NBA dunk uh, competition this year, Hamadou Diallo used to play for UK. Well, I mean, he was on the UK team. I don't know how much he played when he was there. But Hamadou Diallo won the dunk contest. He made a dunk jumping over Shaquille O'Neal. Got a picture of him right here doing that. Anybody see that? Amazing, amazing. Jumped all the way over Shaquille O'Neal, dunked it up to his elbow. He was so high above the rim. Well, there was a guy in Japan that thought, Okay, if Hamadou Diallo can do that, surely I can too. So this is what he did. It did not work out quite as well. And there was quite a wipeout uh, when he came down on the floor right there. Well, that's us trying to be holy. We see God and we go, man, God dunked it up to his elbow. I think I'll try that. I'm going to be holy like he is. And it just doesn't quite work out that way. And so we're told to be holy Just as God is holy, we're told to be holy in everything we do. But the problem is holiness is impossible for us to achieve. It comes only through the blood of Jesus. And that's the second thing we see. Holiness is impossible to achieve, and it comes only through the blood of Jesus. Look down to verse 18. Verse 18 of our scripture passage. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. So what he does here is Peter's beginning to talk about where does this holiness come from? How do you achieve this holiness? And what we're told as we get going in verse 18 is that the holiness is not something that comes from you. It's not something that comes from gold and silver. It's not something that you can make up yourself. You cannot be holy in and of yourself. So if your attempt for holiness is something that's coming from in you, you're going to fail. Can you be good enough to be holy and as good as God? No. Can you know enough to be holy and as good as God? No. Can you do enough religious stuff to be holy and as good as God? No. And so we look at that and we say, okay, well, it seems to be impossible then. There's nothing that I can do in comparing myself to a holy, perfect God to be like he is. So where does the holiness come from? Verse 19. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. You are not made holy by what you do. You are made holy by what he has done. Jesus Christ is the Holy One, the Lamb without blemish or defect. And the Holy One died for the unholy to make the unholy holy. Okay, write all that down real quick as you get that there. So what Jesus did is he took your sins, died in your place... Your sins were put upon him, and now there is no wrong left in you. You may still mess up. You may still do things that are wrong. All of those have been forgiven and cleansed by Jesus, and your holiness now doesn't come from what you are doing. It comes from what Jesus has done for you. So if you're trying to please God by being holy yourself, you're either going to be holier than thou art or guilty all the time. But when you say, no, my holiness is coming from him, my holiness is coming from him forgiving me when I don't deserve it, then everything changes. A couple of years ago, my son Andrew went skydiving. Uh, one of those things you say, I, I, don't tell me about it. I don't want to know it to afterwards. You know, come and tell me if you made it, you know, and afterwards. But, but when he jumped out of the airplane, he didn't do it by himself. It was a tandem jump where he was hooked to somebody else. Now, I wish I had a picture of Andrew doing that, but he was too cheap to pay the $50 for the picture. He said, man, Dad, I already spent all kinds of money skydiving. I will not go to spend 50 bucks on a picture. And I said, Andrew, it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. He goes, you don't know? I'm not going to jump out of more planes? And I said, okay, wh- whatever, whatever. But here's a picture of a tandem jump, all right? Now, that young lady right there, she is skydiving, true? It is exhilarating or something for her right now, True? But she's not doing it on her own. Somebody else is helping her all the way down to make sure that it's done right and that she's safe. You are basically skydiving with God. Your holiness is not something coming from you. It's because he's holding on to you as you're going. And therefore, it is an imputed holiness that's coming from God and not something coming from us. Now, in the Old Testament law, there was this idea... That if God is holy, then anything God touches or used in the service of God is also holy. So everything used in the temple to worship God was considered a holy object. If you in your life are a child of God set apart to serve and worship him, then you have become holy because of your relationship with God. Not something you are doing, something that he has done through Jesus and his blood on the cross. That's why we're told just a few verses down in verse 23. You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living, enduring word of God. We have been born again, not by something we did that's perishable, something that he did in us that is imperishable. We have now been born again in him. And that's where our holiness comes from. We are reflecting the holiness of God. Anybody here ever seen a full moon before? Okay, people, that should be everyone. Thank thank you for participating in the sermon. I really appreciate that. Okay, we've all seen a full moon. Got a picture of a full moon right here. That is a real picture of a full moon. That's not a painting. Okay, pretty impressive. The moon is shining so bright that it's actually lighting up the darkness. That is how bright that full moon is. Does the moon... Have any shine in and of itself? No, it is a reflective shine. Look at the next slide that we have here. The sun shines on the moon, which reflects itself to the earth. Now, keep looking at that picture and change a few words. The sun, S-O-N, Jesus, light shines on you, the moon, and that light is then reflected to the world around you. That's what it means that the holiness isn't coming from you. You are reflecting the holiness of God. So when we're told be holy as he is holy, what we're being told is he's holy, you've been forgiven, his light is shining on you, and that light should now shine on other people. In the Sermon on the Mount, this is how Jesus put it, Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let your light shine that they see your good needs and glorify God because your deeds are not coming from you. They're coming from what God is doing in you. And that brings us to the third thing that we see in our scripture. So what does this holiness look like? How is it actually lived out in the way uh, that, that we live our lives? Well, this holiness... Should be seen in our purpose and in our lifestyle, it should be seen in our purpose and in our lifestyle. Look down to verse twenty two Now you have been purified now you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth that since that, well i 'll try it one more time, okay now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply, love one another from the heart, first of all. What does holiness look like that is reflected from God? It looks like love. We're told to love, to love sincerely, to love from the heart, to love deeply. You see, before we had this reflective glory of God, what we thought holiness meant was that, that we were supposed to be perfect people who don't mess up, that are better than everybody else, and uh, uh, that, that uh, do all these religious things. And uh, and that's what holiness means. But now we're told, no, the reflective glory of God is about loving and loving deeply and loving from the heart and loving sincerely. Jesus said the greatest commandment was to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. So suddenly you've got a different purpose. It's not about you. You've been saved. You're going to heaven God's in your life. It's now about you taking that glory of God that's being reflected through you and shining it to others. And what's it look like? It looks like love. That's how you came to God in the first place because you realized that you couldn't do anything to save yourself and that God loved you despite yourself, that Jesus died for you. And so the way you do that then is that as you love God, you begin to love other people. Because you know what God cares about in this world? God doesn't care how big your church building is. He doesn't care how much money you have in the bank. He doesn't care, uh, you know, about all the things that, that we worry about as churches. God cares about people. God cares about how your programs help people. God cares about how your building makes people's lives better and closer to him. That's what God cares about. And if God cares and loves people, then what we need to be doing is loving and caring for people. That's what reflective glory looks like. But with that said, it doesn't mean you get a pass and mean you can do anything you want. There's a second part of reflective glory, and that is your life should start looking a little bit different if you're around God. So look over at chapter 2, verse 1. Chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, rid yourself of all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. So look at the person next to you and see if there's any envy or or gossip or slander in them. No, you you don't have to do that. So rid yourself of those things. Why would we rid ourselves of those things? Because every one of those things hurt people and keep you from loving God. If you're slandering somebody, if you're envying somebody, uh, you know, if you're jealous of someone, if you're gossiping about them, uh, if you're trying to deceive them, you know, then you're not a person living in love any longer. And so you need to, your life should start looking different. The closer you are to God, the more you love God, the better your life should be. Things you used to do before, things you used to stand for before, they're not as attractive to you any longer. It's not a way you want to live. Your life does become different. It should become different. And if your life is no different now than when you first accepted Christ, then there's probably something wrong with your salvation experience because it should change the way you are and the way you're living. It doesn't mean you're perfect and never mess up. It means you now have a different purpose and lifestyle. I'm not perfect. I'm forgiven. But it doesn't mean I can live any way I want. I'm going to try to live the best I can for God. And my life should be getting better and closer to God every year that I live. And our scripture tells us, look at just that. Look down to verse 2. Like a newborn baby crave pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. So in verse 1, he says, get rid of all this stuff. Live a holy life. But in verse 2, he says, realize you're starting this thing as a baby. You're not going to be perfect. You know, you're going to mess up. What do babies learn and grow and mature and and become stronger? And he says, that's what's going to happen in your spiritual life, is that you're going to learn and grow and mature just as a baby does and be getting closer and closer to God. We think people are holier than thou art because they act like they're better than other people. And maybe that's because that's what the church projects. But the truth of the matter is we're not better than anybody else. We're all sinners that, that, that didn't deserve God's grace. But your life should be getting better as you're closer to God. It should show a difference as you're closer to Him. You should be starting as a baby, but at some point, I hope you become a child and learn to walk. Then I hope you become a teenager and get an attitude and rude to everybody. And then, no, I'm just just kidding, just kidding. Don't want to hear about this afterwards, all right? Parents will talk, you know, as we go. All right. And then you become a young adult, which for me now is like 40 or, or something like that, you know, a young adult. Then you become a middle-aged adult, which is like up to 80 or something, and then then you get older. The, my perspective changes, you know, as you get older. So, But you should be growing and maturing. And so that's what we're seeing here, that the life needs to look different as you grow and mature in God. And that brings us to the last thing that we see in our Scripture. The holiness of God, the holiness that we're talking about centers around God and not us. When we understand that, it changes everything. It's not centered around us. It's centered around him. And when we understand that, it changes everything about us. So we're told it centers around God. Look at chapter 2, verse 4. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, not chosen by God, precious to him. So Jesus is the cornerstone. He's the foundation. He's what the whole building is built upon. But then our holiness, because it's reflected from him and doesn't come from us, it means that our life as a Christian... And the way that we live is now built and set upon him. In other words, it's not about you. We think it's all about us. But it's not all about you. It's all about him. And God loves you. God gives you his grace. But the center of everything we're talking about is about him and not about us. We've made church and God today all about us and not about him. Millennials today have no problem with believing God loves them and forgives them and they're special. They have no problem with that. Uh, They believe all of those things. They're very strong in those things. What they have a problem with is believing that then that God would require something of them. But it's not just millennials, even though the surveys show that. It's everybody. We think it begins to revolve around us. That that's what life is all about. It revolves around us. So what we're going to see are, very quickly, seven different things in verses Four through 10 where we as Christians are described with a certain phrase and you need to see how every one of these seven phrases don't center around us they center around him and then think about how you live your Christian life is it really about him or is it really more about us so let's look at those seven phrases very quickly the first we see in verse 5 you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house Jesus is the living cornerstone, (laughs) but you are also a living stone in God's temple. He's the cornerstone of the temple of God, but you're a stone in that temple of God. So is that about you or is it about him? Yes, it's about me. God loves me. He's with me. I'm a living stone in his temple, a temple that worships and glorifies and where his presence is. I'm a part of that. I'm a living stone in God's temple. The very next thing we're told is that we're a part of a holy priesthood. A holy priesthood. Now, often that word priest scares people. It just means one who stands for God. That's literally what the word priest means. One who stands for God. So you're supposed to be a different set-apart person because you stand for God in the world. So that's the second thing we're told is that we stand for God, that makes us different when we go out in the world. When you think of your Christian faith, is that what it centers around? That, yes, I am to be a different person because when I go out the door in the morning, I'm not going out living for me. I stand for God in the world and the way I live and the things I do. Look on down to verse 9. Verse 9, he has a whole uh, list of them together. You are a chosen people. And so God has chosen you. Why did he choose you? Did he choose you? I choose you to baby you and take care of you? Or did he choose you to serve him and make a difference in the world? We're chosen to be God's special people in the world. He says you're a royal priesthood. Now, earlier he said holy priesthood. This time he says royal priesthood. So you are royal. You are a part of God's family. And because you are a part of God's family, you are royalty. But you are royalty who stand for God in the world. Uh, and the way that you live and the things that you do. You are a holy nation. So uh, the church is supposed to be different, set apart, a group of people that are serving God and on mission for God in the world. You are God's special possession that he loves you. You are special to him. He, he, you know, uh, he, he holds you and says, man, this, this is something I prize and I value. You are my special possession because of the relationship that I have with you, you are part of the people of God. It's no longer about you. You now have a family, the church. You are part of the people of God. And then how do we know all of that reflects on him and not us? Look down to verse 9. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Declaring the praises of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. It's not our light. It's not our holiness. It's his holiness that we're supposed to be reflecting into the world. And then that section ends in verse 10. Once you were not a people, now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, now you've received mercy. Where does all of this holiness come from? not from inside of me because I'm trying to be a great person, but from a God who loved me and forgave me and shines through me. And when I realize that, it's hard to be holier than thou art. When I realize I'm saved because of what Jesus did and I just reflect what he's done to me to other people, it changes everything about us. What does holiness look like in the world? This is a little example here. Uh, But there was a guy in California by the name of Dan LaGondia. And he had gone in to trade in the car that he had and buy him a new BMW. And uh, he picked out this sport BMW. He was sitting there. They were filling out the papers. They were talking about how much they were giving giving him for his trade-in. And across from him, there was a young single mom who was meeting with another guy. And she said, well, I can't afford that payment but I have to have this car if I'm going to be able to, to uh, get to work. Is there anything you can do to just bring it down a little bit? And the guy said, no, I'm sorry. Uh, she started crying and said, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to lose my job. And he says, well, ma'am, there's nothing I can do about it. We're a car dealership. You know, we're not exactly a, uh, an agency here that helps the, the poor or something like that. And she said, well, thank you. And she got up and she left. Dan sat there for a second with his guy, and he said, Okay, I just want to straight buy my car. I don't want to do a trade-in at all anymore. If you could figure that out for me. He then walked out to the parking lot and said, Ma'am, here's your car, and handed her the keys to his own car, went and got the papers and signed it over to her. Here's a picture of Dan and the lady out in the parking lot uh, as they did that right there. Of course, it made uh, the news as it did. And so suddenly this lady had a car. That's what holiness looked like. It's saying, I'm going to be different because I'm loving. I'm going to care for people out in the world. So what's the point of that? If you have a really nice car, you can give it to me. Uh, I'll take it. But the bigger point, even in that, is that the way we live is supposed to be different. What Dan did was not a normal, everyday thing that people do. It was something that was done because of looking at himself and saying, I want to help another person. This is a tough world out there. And this world hurts you and eats you up and chews you up and then spits you out. And when people see others who are forgiving, who are patient, who are concerned, it's something they don't see very much. And they want to know where it comes from. And it's not coming from you because you're such a special person. It's coming from God who is reflecting the love and the grace and the forgiveness that he first gave you and that you're now shining on other people. And when you do that, you become holy just as he is holy. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for loving us so much. Help us to realize that we're never going to be good by ourselves. That our goodness comes from knowing you and being forgiven by you. Having your spirit indwell us. Father, help us to realize that instead of trying to be better than others, we need to be living a life of love that show others what you've given us. In Jesus' name. Well, we come to this time of invitation, several things that you can do during this time. This is always a time for you to just come if you have concerns, problems, things you want to pray about. You can come pray at the altar. You can come pray with ministers that will be down front. You can come during this time and say, I want to join this church and be a part of what this church is doing in this community and around the world. And the most important thing you could ever do is say, I need that. I need Jesus Christ in my life. I want to accept him as Lord and Savior. I want to follow him in baptism. And you come and you make that commitment. But this is your time and your opportunity. This is the sign-up week for Wind Shaped Camps, uh, where you can get uh, $40 off. So sign up this week if you can. Also, our Ash Wednesday service coming up on Wednesday. Man, you are with it. Coming up on Wednesday. Hey, wanted to say congratulations to Larry Percival, wherever he went, uh, for uh, you don't even know why. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame for the 13th region, the Athletic Hall of Fame for the 13th region in Kentucky. Congratulations, uh, Larry Percival. I'd like to invite Fred Paya
2: to join me as well as Tim Fowler if you guys want to make your way forward uh, today. Uh, First, I want to introduce you to Fred Paya. Fred is joining from uh, a church in Liberia. Uh, feels God has called to join this church. And Fred, we're so glad that you're here and to get the chance to hear more of your story and, and to see the way God's worked in your life. But welcome uh, to our church this morning. I think you all may know Tim Fowler he comes today to let you know that he wants uh, you all to know that he's accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior and wishes to follow him in baptism. So. I got the privilege to hear some of your story about how God has led you throughout your life and playing a good people, Charlie wall. I know through work and, uh, your wife, Wanda who's pray, prayed and watered seeds as well. And we're so glad that you're choosing to, to make the step to follow Jesus. What a great day for that. Um, praise the Lord for that. Let's give the Lord a hand clap
3: of praise for that. Amen. Lord Jesus, we are so thankful that, uh, that you humbled yourself. You uh, walked on this earth, and you taught us a lot of things, and it's written down in the Bible. And, Lord, uh, you were obedient even uh, to death on the cross. Lord, you bought us with your blood. And because of that, we can be holy. And so, Lord, uh, let us live a a life that uh, reflects that glory because Lord, we know that the, there's a day coming when we will be in your presence and we won't need the sun for, uh, for light because your face will give us the light, all the light we need. And so, O oh Lord, even now, let us reflect the holiness that comes from you and let our lives bless others as we uh, love you and love others. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, keyword mywrbc. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m.